0: going on everybody it is bet parks presents stick to hockey live episode 32 bill Meltzer are going to join us in just a moment from uh, philadelphia flyers.com nhl.com and hockeybuzz.com talk about all things flyers also uh, another edition of tones takes today tone will give you some plays uh, where to put your money and uh, we'll get a lot to get into today on barks Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. Uh, this is a good time for you to grab the new Bet Parks app, especially with Tone coming on, because Tone's going to give you great places to put your dough. Uh, I got it's exciting. This the new app is so good and it's so easy to use. While well, the other one was easy to navigate and everything, this one's even better and it's it's just awesome. So you're going to love it. Uh, make sure you download the new app. It's the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. It's now live. Uh, so if you have the old one, get rid of the old one and download the new one, log in, and you can get all the great features from the old one and more. It's everything you want in a mobile casino and sports book, and it's right in the palm of your hand, right in your pocket. So check it out. It's easy to sign up if you don't have an account, easy to use, and faster to win than ever before. It's the new Bet Parks app, and like you see that little X at the bottom uh, left of the screen there? That's kind of what you're looking for. That's the app. That's when you know you got the right one. And I'll show it to you as well, on my phone, um, because it's it's so simple to use and you're going to love using it. So it looks like that as it's opening up for me right now. Uh, so check out the Bet Parks app, and right now Bet Parks users will have the choice of either a twenty dollar casino bonus or a twenty dollar free sports bet. So just download it, open it, check it out, get used to it, and uh, you can download the all new Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over twenty one and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. So Bill Meltzer will join us just a minute. Like I said, Tone, another addition to Tone's Takes. Tone's got some plays for you uh, for this Thursday. A uh, good place to put some of that uh, that hard-earned cash and make it grow. That's what Tone does. He makes money grow. He's a, he's a money grower, as they say. And he's got some cool plays this week once again. Uh, I believe he's got five plays this week. So we'll get to Tone's Takes coming up. Uh, the trade deadline's in the rearview. Claude Giroux going to make his debut tonight for the Florida Panthers. In fact, last night I watched on YouTube, watched his introductory press conference uh, with Florida, and the whole thing just, it still seems just bizarre or weird or something. But uh, the Flyers move forward, and, you know, they had the game the other night on, what was it, Tuesday against the Detroit Red Wings, lost 6-3. to I got to talk to Bill about this. Uh, when to pull the goaltender, it just felt a little early for me. Three-minute mark, and the Flyers just had a couple of good scoring chances on the 5-on-5. I did some research on when teams are pulling goaltenders in the NHL, and it has gotten earlier and earlier, kind of since 2000. And about the three-minute mark is when a lot of teams start pulling their goalie. I just think that feels a little early to me, and I think there's a feel that has to go along with it as well. And when you have a couple scoring chances at 5-on-5 late in the game and you're down a goal, to me, you got to be a little bit more conservative in that spot. Plus, when you pull the goalie, you know, the people on the ice have to recognize it and it becomes a possession game immediately. First of all, you have an extra player out there, so it's obviously a possession game. And if you lose the puck, you've got to pressure the puck post haste like you got to pressure the puck right away and flyers didn't do that and you know they pulled the goalie with like three minutes to go and then at 309 they give up an empty net goal now you're down two so it seemed a little bizarre to me but let's get to the man right now I want to talk about that and some other things with uh Bill Meltzer from nhl.com hockeybuzz.com and philadelphiaflyers.com he joins us on bet parks presents stick to hockey live and Bill it felt a little early to me first of all how are you
1: I'm doing well thanks <laughs>
0: I'm just kind of riffing about this pulling the goalie thing, and I've done a bunch of research, and I know teams are pulling the goalie earlier than ever before, but when it happened the other night, it felt too early to me, and it didn't feel like the players were ready for it or aware of
1: it. Yeah, but I mean, it, it seemed like players in the ice weren't aware that Hart wasn't wasn't in the net anymore, just uh, just based on how easily the Flyers gave up the ice. Yeah, you got to yeah. pressure the puck right away when you lose it with the goalie out yeah I mean they they were just treating it like a like a dump in and oops goal, goalie's not there, so he just guides it into the net and then all of a sudden you're down by two. um yeah the, the timing of it seems strange. I mean, I guess it's one of those things that if it works out, it looks great and if it you give up a goal nine seconds later, it looks awful, right? yeah, but strategically it was odd if only if only for the fact that the flyers had had some momentum, yep. you know um, there's still three minutes to go and um if you just look at you know just look at the flyers really total almost total lack of success with the goalie pulled um you know they've, they've scored twice and they've given up well now 17 at the time 19 now wow. i i mean i think you you might just wait till the final 90 seconds for that reason too hey at that point just total desperation and the one bounces it bounces so i it was it was you know it, def, it definitely seemed odd it was it was and it blew up quickly. And the funny thing is, is that the Flyers, of course, are playing St. Louis tonight. And the last time the Flyers played St. Louis, it was the same thing. Yeah. Flyers down, were down by one goal. And they gave up a – they lost – I think they lost a, an offensive zone face-off, and six seconds later, it was in their net. Yeah, And, too fast. and no, nobody was ready for it. It was like nobody nobody knew how to handle the play. Yeah. And so almost – you know, they, they pull the goalie again, and then they give up another – they give up another – a pretty non-competitive empty net goal. So they lose by three instead of by one. And last, that was almost, you know, not the same plays, but, but too too close, too close of a repeat. It's been, uh, you know, and when I did the five things preview on uh, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com today, I, part of what I looked at in the inside the numbers section is just how bad it's been closing out games or getting closed out. Yeah. You know, you, you remember, Jason, we were talking about how uh as far as that second period woes, really up to the all-star break yeah well now the other worst period in the game has been third periods and a big part of that reason of course is all the empty net goals they've allowed they once once they're down they're not coming back
0: yeah you know the thing is too like you saw the one in ottawa like that was a 200 foot empty net goal out of the corner and i go okay that that that'll happen you know i don't love pulling the goalie early too when you're on the power play because the pain, the punishment's not there for the other team because they can ice the puck. Yeah. And if they miss the net, there's no punishment
1: because yeah, it's, turn feet, so, yeah, yeah, it's not
0: coming back into your zone for a face off. And you know, you get to dictate which side of the ice, it's all that stuff. So I, I don't love doing that either, but teams are pulling their goalies earlier and earlier than ever before. And to me, what you're doing when you're not a team that's good at it and the Flyers are not good at it, not good at a lot of things, but um, uh, that's one of those things where you're shortening the game for the opposition in a one goal game, and that's what they
1: want, yeah, I mean that's uh I mean, because it's it's they're literally one shot they're literally one shot on goal away from patting the lead mm-hmm. uh, unless you happen to get you know uh, then it won't go as a shot on goal but unless somebody just happens to dive in front of it or block it or sweep it away from the goal line or or something, you know it, it's only for so long even even if you're playing you know even if you're playing up a man until the other side is going to be able to clear the zone and you know get something on your net. And as you said on a, in a power play fire fire will cuz if you miss there's, there's no uh, there's no downside to it. So I'm not a big fan of pulling the goalie with several minutes of unless you're down by two. If you're down by two, yeah. You know then then go for. it. Particularly if you score within the last few to reduce, you know, 3 to 2, maybe you have a little momentum, maybe you get another one. To me it's the difference between, you know, a two goal deficit versus one but for me, if you're down by a goal, I don't see a reason to do it until the final ninety seconds. Yeah.
0: And down multiple goals, it's like nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. But down one, it's like, eh, you know, now now we're down two and there's three minutes or two minutes yeah. and fifty seconds to go. So it, it doesn't make much sense to me. Bill, did you watch the um the introductory press conference of Claude Giroux with Florida? I did, yes. Did did it just feel like weird?
1: It felt very it felt very odd. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it it uh you know, it, I don't know. It's gonna look out of place with him in a in a any other uniform but a Flyers uniform for, for a while. Even even watching the playoffs this year, it's just gonna seem strange, right? Yeah. But uh, even you know, even seeing a little bit of practice footage, right, where he's he's there, and he's joking around with Barkov and whatever. It just it, it it felt um it felt surreal, you know, a little. Yeah. And it uh, was also a reminder as to you know how things have gone this season with the Flyers, because in a lot of ways, you know, go in you you're hoping and you're thinking it wasn't going to be that way.
0: Right. Yeah. He, and he mentioned that quite a bit, you know, the thing is, is in his press conference, I still got this, this vibe from him that he still felt conflicted about the decision to leave. You know, like he talked about being excited and going after the cup, but I could still sense conflict. I I sound like Darth Vader. I can sense the conflict within you, but it still felt like he was conflicted about leaving or heartbroken or something. I don't know.
1: Well, I mean, was, you know, being a flyer, being there's it, it was the only thing you'd ever known, right? And yeah, and you, you go go all the way back to you know working up to playing for the Flyers, right? The 2006 draft. So he's been part of the organization, including the two years before he really debuted. You know what, for 18 years at that point, it's yeah. uh, it's uh, it's a long time in one organization. I, I can understand, I can understand feeling pulled in different directions, plus the. You know, and I guess it's family, you know, he and his family, will rent something in in uh, South Florida. But it's still, it's it's different. It's it's just, a, it, it's a
0: big change. Yeah, it really is. And it and we'll see him tonight. Get it, he'll make his debut against Montreal, and uh, we'll see what you know what that team can do. But you know, Bill, a lot of Flyer fans, I'm still seeing it on social media, are clamoring for the return of Giroux. You and I respect this game to a very high degree and, you know, appreciate the nuance of his game and every element of it. Uh, But I think that the organization needs to move forward without him, whether he wants to come back or not. I just think it's better to turn the page completely and move forward at this point.
1: I agree. Um, You know, for one thing, just as as one thing, without even getting into, you know, the, the, the whole human dynamics of it, you know, the, the cap savings that the, the Flyers have in Giroux not not coming back, most likely, right? Well, when you add in Sean Couturier's raise and Joel Farabee's raise, because he gets a big, big bump up next year, that covers most of Giroux's salary, actually. Yep. So the Flyers are going to have to find other ways to upgrade the roster. You don't want to just run back with... What you've been running back, I'm talking about if, if something could have been agreed to with Giroux. Now, of course, you have to replace Giroux, and how you do that, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I That's don't know. A different we question. Have, yeah, they have to figure out the cap side of it. They certainly have to figure out the hockey side of it. But in in order to to move forward, you know, I mean, well, what, and what's even what's even fair to the player at this point? I mean, a hometown discount, sure. How much of a hometown discount, right? I mean, and I, I remember, you know. If you remember the year that Yarmir Yager spent with the Flyers, where for probably till about two thirds of the way through the season, all the talk was Yager loves it here. He's gonna he's gonna extend. Now this is a guy who was just here for one year, but but, but it's coming to a point. Um, and then by the end, Yager was, you know, he moved on. Why why did he move on? Because the latter part of the season, uh, Peter Laviolette took him off of the first power play unit. Mm-hmm. Um, moved, moved a very young Jake Voracek onto the first unit um, You know, some some Later game situations where Jager had been out there all year All of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden he wasn't out there And that maybe the empty net goal situation And I mean, I, I remember talking to him I was on the interview call when he went to Dallas He said you know, I'm I'm not you know I'm not ready to take a secondary role yet. One of the one of the things that uh, that I thought I was staying there was that I was playing I was playing a key role and I was enjoying it. And then it kind of seemed like I wasn't going to be doing that anymore. And I think the same thing with for Claude a little bit. One of the reasons he goes, you know, in Florida, he's playing right up, right up on the first line, yeah. right, with with Barkov. Now, in order to move in order to move forward, could the Flyers still base a team largely around Clodger running your power play? playing 18, 20 minutes a game. You know, that, that's, that's the role Drew's always played. Would he be happy taking a secondary role here, particularly when he, you know, I mean, things didn't go right because of him. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, I mean, largely he's, he was one of the big positives despite all the other stuff that was going on. But, you know, in order in order to move, take the next steps as an organization, I think you have to do it with different key players. And that's, yeah. uh, you know, and that, that's, that's where I see you know, I, I don't think Claude is ready to take on quite that secondary role yet. And so, therefore, I don't know if the Flyers are the right fit anymore. I think they need to find other main guys. And where they're going to find them, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I
0: mean, part of it, too, is, you know, now that he is gone, there's a vacuum of space there for other players to step into roles, leadership roles, where when he's present, you go, well, why didn't you step into a leadership role when he was there? Well, he was there. So when you have the vacuum that happens now, all of a sudden there is all this real estate for leadership leadership to be provided by other players. Cause he's not there. It's nothing against him, but uh, you know, if he comes back, then that almost goes away again. And you don't want that. You want players to step up, feel more vested, be a leader, be one of the voices inside that room. Um, but, but you're right. They need to create cap space because they need to get some things done of sub, of real substance this offseason. Uh, I mean, JVR is a guy that is obvious that does yeah. just. I, I mean, if you're handicapping this bill, is it a 95 percent chance that uh, his contract's not on the books in some way, shape, or form next year. Not sure which way, but what, some some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, either either buyout or I, I. I mean, I honestly, from from a hockey standpoint, I know you take a cap head and there's a you know, a consequence of the year after that. But I don't think they want another, they don't want another ghost situation where you're giving up picks just to, yeah. just, to uh, with, yeah, just to dig a hole in the desert. Yeah. Just dig a hole in the desert, get a little cap relief too. So I don't, I do I don't see the flyers going that route again. So I think they will go the buyout route if, uh, and I don't, I don't see them being able able to trade him unless he really closes with the rush. And then some, maybe some team goes, ah, there's one year left in the contract. Philly eats half of it. We, you know, we could do a year, three point five for us, three point five for them, maybe. You know, yeah. he would have. Is the real be, only, money only three point eight though? Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking. am about, I'm just talking about yeah, cap hit wise. Cap hit wise, okay. Cap hit wise, yeah. Because even even with the real dollar, I, the cap would be split. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the Flyers would. Yeah, but the Flyers would would have to eat. <laughs> have to eat their half of it. So yeah, yeah the, real, yeah. the real the real dollar actually, you know, and and it's I I don't know. I mean, but it's. I, I, I mean, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be I'd be shocked if JVR was on the team from opening night. Um, I, I know people
0: want to keep bringing up Ghost because yeah. he's got a lot of points this year. I had a guy tell me the other day on Twitter that board battles are meaningless when evaluating a player. I I almost shit my pants when he said that, <laughs> and because I, I was like, how are you going to tell me that a board battles meaningless when evaluating a hockey player, like? Yeah, I, If I've ever found a coach that believed the board battles weren't a, a highly evaluative tool, I mean, I, that, that's like, you got to be kidding me, right? Because I, I cited, I, the guy doesn't win board battles. And he's like, that's, that's not a stat that matters. I'm like, what?
1: Yeah. So, right, so, right. Anytime you put the puck behind him, the puck was as good as lost. I mean, yeah, because you know, he's not going to win the battle. There, there were things that Ghost did. Well, including defensively, right? He was pretty good in neutral zone defense because he has a quick stick. Mm-hmm. So he would poke, he'd poke check guys before they would get to the blue line. Once the puck was in your zone, until you were back on the attack, it was a liability on the ice. Yeah. Still is, will always be. Players are, you know, players have some things they're good at, some things they're not good at. And while I do think he worked over his career to lessen that a little bit, the point being when the puck is over, you know, the puck is in your zone, you hold your breath with ghosts yeah. on the ice. Um, you don't know when you're attacking, you know, obviously then he became, he became a, an asset and when he's healthy and you're attacking, he's a significant asset, but mm-hmm. there there's a reason why he was waived and nobody claimed him. There's a reason why, um, the flyers really tried to entice Seattle to take him in the expansion draft and they weren't biting. And there's a reason why the flyers offered him around in the offseason prior to, prior to, you know, basically biting the bull with the trade they made with Arizona and they didn't find any takers. Yeah, it's you know he had the injury history. He has the defensive liabilities. Now this year he's been healthy and putting up a lot of points. He probably would have put you know, he would have put up points here too uh, had he stayed healthy and been here this year. I don't think the team would have been in a much better place. They would still struggle to keep the puck out of their net. I don't think the I mean look at look at Arizona's power play right. It, it's at the bottom of the league right with the Flyers. Yeah. So it's not like Ghost has miraculously changed things there. It's all it's all about the team. Always all about the team and all about the mix. And, uh, you know, so I don't think it was the right mix and still not the right mix.
0: Well, the, the other element that doesn't get talked about with him is coachability, because there was a lot of coaches that came through here that and everybody and like the revisionist thing is, well, they never used him correctly. Hack didn't use him correctly. Scott Gordon didn't use him. Uh, Rick Wilson. But when Rick Wilson left, I mean, he had some pretty terse things to say about Ghost and he had, didn't have a vested interest in Ghost but there was a coachability
1: issue with the player as well. Right. And, that, and his that, own game. that set off some alarm bells because there's never been, there's hardly more of a player's coach you'll ever find than Rick Wilson. Yeah. And he, he's the kind of coach who, who will say, okay, you know, I'd like you to try it my way. If, that, if you're not comfortable with that, we'll find another way that'll work. And they, they had a hard time getting on the same page and working together. And – you know, it was it was Rick Wilson, and it was uh, you know, and and before that, Lord it was Ford Murphy. Murphy, right? And I mean, it, you know, at at a certain point, it's okay. Well, you know, and, and different head coaches too, and with very different person, three different, three very different personalities. Yeah, between Hack and and Scott Gordon, you know, and and uh, Lane Vigneault, and so if you you know if you're not on the same page with any of them, I don't know that 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 does raise some question marks about. Uh, about coachability. Uh, and I know, you know, and I, I think goes at a point in saying that his confidence came from his offensive game and everything else sure. came from that. And I, and I get that, right? And I'll tell you that all my own dealings with Shane were positive. Ones. I really, I, I had a good rapport with him as, as a reporter covering a player. So I liked Shane and, you know, and and he was a fun player to watch, especially when he was going well. But I don't I don't think he was the right player for the for the team mix anymore. And certainly they haven't they haven't replaced him because Gustafson certainly mm-hmm. didn't didn't replace him. And uh, you know the Keith Yandel situations here certainly hasn't worked out for for the Flyers either. So they're still you know they're still back at the drawing board trying to find someone to play that role. And hopefully that'll be Cam York.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's what is your estimation on how he's played on that right side? Because to me, he's been better than I thought he would be on that right side. I don't want to say he's been great, but he's been very steady. I yeah,
1: don't fact, see any issues there. Yeah. I think, I think he's adjusting really well. Yeah. Honestly. I do too. And since they, since they put him up with Prov as opposed to the third pairing, you know, I think he's taken the next step in it. I, I am actually, I'm actually confident if he stays there that he can make that adjustment and be okay
0: so you you would be okay with him being a right side guy as a left
1: shot, or is that if, uh, not particularly if, ideal but you can not, not ideal now? not ideal i mean that's uh i mean if if you have to go that way, you go that way um mm. I mean hopefully you have Ryan Ellis back next year healthy, and that that stills you know of all the question marks hanging over this team to me that still is one of the real big ones because you know it, first of all, first of all there's there's no absolute confirmation as to what the exact injury is yeah you know we we've heard you know we've heard stuff we've all you know we've heard we've talked to people we've heard stuff oh well it's you know it's one of those combination core muscle things that it's hard to describe as one specific thing, and you know, like it, it can present in the hip, but it's really a groin blah, 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 blah. so it's, it's one of those co- complicated to figure out how to treat things, but still, I'd like to know the exact nature and here we are getting late into March, I'd like to know what the final treatment plan is going to be, and I know they're saying they're they're finalizing. A decision, but I think that, you know, once you're getting to about six months before training camp, I think it's really important to make that decision, whatever that decision is.
0: Yeah, Bill, the the amazing thing is I had Chuck on Flyers Daily the other day after the deadline, and he basically said they're still not resolute on if he's going to have surgery or not. I mean, this is a player that hasn't played a game since early November. Right. And like, it's, it is, it seems like it's some sort of state secret what's going
1: on here. It, it's very odd. Yeah, and you know, with uh, Couturier, okay, once they said he's having surgery, he's shut down for the season. Yep. They said what it was. They said what it was they said what it was with Kevin Hayes, and 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 it stayed it stayed in very nebulous with uh, with Ryan Ellis, a guy who, how many eggs did the Flyers put in that basket as being a guy who's going to come in and play twenty two, twenty three minutes a night, play in every situation, and. Yes, he's played one game since since early, you know, yeah, he hasn't played since early November, rather. And he's only played one game since the first, well, ten days of the season. He played the yeah. first three, and then he didn't play again until you know until the the one game in Dallas that he that he came back and he's been out ever since. I, I think I think more, you know, we need some clarity here, uh, yeah. and and part of that clarity is okay. Is this is this going to be a guy you're going to have to replace this off season? Is he going to be a, a guy who ends up in long term term injury reserve next year? And uh, it concerns me when when it's uh, and I know there's never any guarantees, right? But the hope is he's ready for the start of next season. Well, the hope is also he stays healthy next season too. Yeah. You cannot have again what happened this season. You have to be able to count on him. And if you can't count on him, you have you have to think what's the contingency?
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing you're looking for. You're looking for a replacement at, at forward for Drew in a lot of ways but you don't know if you're also looking for now a replacement for Ryan Ellis. And you got to wonder where his head is at this point too, yeah. because I mean, he was a guy that seemed like really stunned when he got moved. Like yeah. Cam Atkinson was like, yeah, I got moved. Awesome. Yeah. Gritty. The whole, you know, I was like, all right. That's interesting. But Ellis was, con- was like, whoa, you know, and hasn't been able to assimilate with his teammates. I mean, he's played four games. And you got to just wonder where his head in is. He bought into this situation. Does he want to be a part of a team that is in this situation that they're in? I mean, he can't be watching this and going, "I can't wait to come back." (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, honestly, his his unavailability is a significant part of why they're in this situation. Exactly. Which is, I mean, it's not it's not Allison's fault, but it's also the truth, right? Um, I, I you know I don't know. I mean, we you know it was strange because. Right before the Flyers played the, I, I found Ryan to be, you know, in, in during training camp and leading up, I mean, he pleasant and, you know, and decent guy, but he was pretty guarded. Yeah. And right before he came back uh, against, you know, the game, they took the road trip, they had the game in Dallas. He was, he was almost giddy that day. I, I, he, he was really, he was really in a good mood. He seemed very positive and very upbeat. And then he gets hurt the first game back and, you know, and then he he went right back into day to day and somehow day to day became all season yeah that's just you know? bizarre it's, it's it's very strange and i you know i i because I I, I I you know i think i think clarity is needed again i it, and it's a concern going forward as to whether he wants to be part of it you know or or whatever well i mean you know he uh you know he'd be in a situation where he could be of significant help if he's healthy so that's uh right. And you you look at it that way too, but it's, uh, I don't know that, that to me is a black cloud. That's still hanging over the season and hanging over the off season until there, till there's, you know, more of a, more of a plan that's articulated.
0: And that being said, they traded two black clouds for him, <laughs> you know, yeah. And yeah. Phil Myers gets waived and does not get claimed, ends up with the Marlies. And no. we know about Nolan Patrick and just again, dealing with head injuries. It's, Boy, this is like the Bermuda Triangle of players, like these three guys, and it, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Let me yeah. ask you about, you know, a couple of players in particular. I saw Alex Appleyard put this tweet out um, yesterday, and he said, uh, since Mike Yo came in, Faraby is on a sixty-five point pace, Kinecti playing at a sixty-three point pace, Lindblom at a forty-two, and Sanheim at a forty-two. Um, I, I I know we don't feel like Mike Yo is going to be the next head coach of this team. But important for those four players to finish these remaining games, 19, 18, 19 games, whatever it is, very strong and head into the offseason feeling pretty good. And even though Konechny not scoring, um, yeah. he is playing well and he is setting up a lot of
1: plays. He's piling up the assists. He really yeah. is. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, that that it kind of, you know, assist streaks kind of sneak up on you a little bit sometimes, particularly yeah. if it's the guy who you're, you know, you're talking about, oh, well, he's still stuck on 10 goals for the season. Yeah, he's not using, as heralded. <laughs> yeah, no, it isn't. It isn't unless you know, unless he's a prolific assist guy. Well, he's become yeah, he's become a guy who's putting up a, a ton of assists, and that's that's fine. I you know, I mean, if he puts up, if he can get twenty goals a year, get back to that kind of a pace, and continue scoring, you know, forty assists, which is, which we'll get this year, and then you, then you got a guy who who's playing in the top end of your lineup, Tharby. Farabee gets a bit of a mulligan just because of all the time he missed with the two shoulder injuries, and now he's back. You know, now he's back playing his game again. Um, so he's he's compiling the points. Uh, to me, Jason, the other big positive in the last few weeks, even though the wins have still been, you know, sparse or, or intermittent, it's been uh, been Kevin Hayes. Kevin yeah, Hayes. he looks, looks way like different. Himself again. And that's uh that that's if you talk about positives in recent months, that's one of the big ones.
0: Yeah. His mobility. And again, important for him to finish off the season really well heading into the off season, getting his body where he needs it. Same thing, you know, Carter Hart hasn't fought injury this year, Bill, but he's a guy that if he can finish this campaign strong, boy, I think he heads into a really, really good spot from, you know, moving forward with the way he's played this year and bounce back.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the flyers are basically what 17th, 18th and save percentage, but they're, 26 and goals against that t- that tells you the goaltending has been better than the team play in front of them. And, you know, I, I think last game is, is a good case. The, the game in Florida and last game are a good case in point. He let in four. Well, which one of those was he going to stop? Not one of them. Not one of them was, was what you call, you know, a fair chance of making a save. And that's going to pull a save percentage right down, you know, and well, elevate the goals against average. And, you know, the difference between the goalies in the top teams and the, the ones in on the teams at the bottom, and and it reflects also in save percentage, is they're not, you know, the team in front of them is giving them a chance more consistently to make saves. Every goalie is going to let in some that they either should have had or fall in that category of, well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an easy save, but it was one that you would like to get a save on. Um, I, and so much of that is tied into the team play, you know, in front, just the the number of those that are going to happen over a season. Um, for Carter Hart to be a, to be at nine ten and has been over nine ten most of the time, that's really I I, I would say that it, that you know that his save percentage would be a full one percent to one point five percent higher. So that's you are talking about nine twenty 920 to nine twenty five yeah. if he had if he had a top defensive team in front of him or even a, a decent defensive team in front of him. So over over the course of a whole season, so. I, I think that that's another positive this year, too. The goaltending has been a good thing, finished strong, and that's uh, one less thing you have to worry about going into next year.
0: Uh, one of the guys that wasn't moved at the deadline, obviously, was was Jones, uh, but the Flyers dealing with depth issues at the goaltender position. Um, and, you know, you're – I mean, Urson's dealing with an injury. gustamenko yeah. has been banged up. I mean, Sandstrom's been banged up. You just couldn't trade a guy and kind of make it through. You, unless you got a goaltender in return,
1: yeah, and that's uh, and so you know nobody nobody would be in the market looking for a, a goalie, you know a, a, a backup goalie, number two guy for the for the playoffs, unless unless possibly Florida. I thought Florida just because they want Spencer Knight playing, yeah. they don't they don't want him backing up Bob, and so they have Johansson. I thought, oh well, maybe, but you know, listen, this was a pretty acrimonious. Uh, Trade negotiation with Giroux. I don't think they were about to just jump into another trade with one another. Um, the Flyers could have gotten uh, a later-round pick for Jones, but they weren't going to get a later-round pick plus a goalie with a little bit of NHL experience as backup. And I know some people have said, well, just grab a body. Well, you can't just grab a body, a non-NHL goalie, and, and go out and ask your team to compete at an NHL level. And you're still going to need the number two guy for – what about another five games this season?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I I don't think I don't think that's that if you're trying to send a message about reframing the culture and, and you know going out and playing the right way and trying to win, then I don't think you go with a, a guy who's in it strictly an AHL goalie. I you know, you need you need a little bit better. Um, you know, the, and with Sandstrom, Sandstrom besides having some injury issues this year, he's needed he's needed for the what's uh you know kind of an uphill playoff push for the phantoms yeah and he's been a little inconsistent himself too so i don't think he's you know the uh, i don't think he's he's necessarily earned an extended look in the nhl the, the downside though is that he's a group six free agent this summer so he could you know he's uh, he's unrestricted potentially
0: yeah, and how they move forward. Yeah. And, and I think it's incredibly unlikely that you move forward with Carter Hart and Felix Sandstrom as a tandem next year. Right. I think you're looking in that veteran, that veteran field again. And maybe it's Martin Jones again. Who knows? Um, or there'll be guys out there. That's for sure. Um, Bill, as always, uh, we'll see if the Flyers can get a win tonight on the road. Their first of 2022. With these next six opponents, how about this? St. Louis, Colorado, back-to-back. Then you head to Nashville, and you, then you head to Minnesota. Then you come home to take on Toronto. Then you get the Rangers before you get Columbus back home. It's Boy, what a tough schedule.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have teams, a lot of teams in there that, uh, you know, have something to play for. And yeah. the Flyers have, you know, the, the proverbial playing for pride in jobs. It's tough. Mm. So, it's, uh, you know, see, see what they can do, I guess. Yeah.
0: Bill, thanks for doing this. As always, uh rebuild stuff on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Stay well, brother.
1: You too, man. Talk to you soon.
0: All right, there he is, Bill Meltzer. And uh, joining us on this episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. And it is that time. We do this every Thursday. We do a little something we like to call Tones. Ticks. And there he is. What's going on, Tone? Hey, what's up, Jason? How you doing? Not much. Uh, oh, I'm doing good and just uh, trying to make it through the rest of this season and get yeah. to the playoffs. I know the Flyers aren't in the playoffs, but like the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs are so much fun that I just That's can't
2: awesome. wait. Yeah, I was watching the uh, Calgary-Vancouver game on Saturday night, and like the first 10 minutes of that game, Calgary they just they got blown out by Vancouver You know, a couple weeks before that. The way eight just came out. It just reminded me of like playoff hockey, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm waiting. There. I can't wait myself.
0: That that I think that Calgary team can, can possibly take out Colorado yeah. in the West.
2: I do too. They're built I, for it, and you know they're built for the playoffs. You know yep. the Foley signing was huge for them. Yep. You know if Markstrom holds up, which I think he should. I mean, they have Sutter as a coach; like they are primed for a run. For
0: sure. Yeah, I agree. Maybe I think they're, maybe they're a Canadian team will
2: finally. Yeah, maybe a Canadian team will finally win a cup. We'll see, right?
0: Oh, it's been so long since 93, and <laughs> yep. one of the last Canadian teams to get there I mean, prior to last year. I mean, obviously, Montreal gets to the final last year in that weird circumstance, but Calgary's one of those teams that uh, back in, what, '04, loses to uh, loses to Tampa. That Jerome yep. Aguinla team versus the Le Cavalier-Marty-Saint-Louis uh, That Tampa. Great
2: game, like, series. Great oh, it series was.
0: <laughs> yeah, Le Cavalier and McGinley and went at it in that. They, had, they just scrapped it in that is.
2: series. Yep, yep.
0: That's one dude. I'm not messing. I'm not messing with Jerome McGinley. No thanks. <laughs>
2: no, no way.
0: <laughs> uh, Tone. Let's get to the picks. Play number one. Uh, you like the LA Kings here, three way minus one fifteen. Kings are a shock team here. Second place in the Pacific, three p- uh, points up on Edmonton. Coming off that big six one win over Nashville on Tuesday, and Chicago's on a back to back with their two five and three. You like the Kings here.
2: Yeah, I like the Kings to handle business at home. They're, yeah, they, like you said, they're a surprise team this year. They're hanging around still, uh, second in the division. Um, have a little, you know, some injuries with Dowdy and Orbitson who have affected them recently, but uh, they've won two out of their last three home games. Uh, I like, yeah, I like the Kings to take care of business tonight. Uh, Chicago, they just, you know, they traded Flurry. They're kind of like, you know, selling off the rest of the season. Uh, Delia might go tonight in net, who's a, I mean, Lankin okay, but Delia's. Much more of a drop off, so even even if I can then still goes I like the Kings here at home in regulation,
0: yeah, and Los Angeles, they've done a nice job. recoiling that team really have, and uh, we'll see what they're able to do in the playoffs as they make yeah. the return to the postseason. And you're right, with with Flurry gone now, there's a lot of noise around Chicago with Kane and Taves yeah. not being happy, and
2: yeah, and with the Hegel trade too. I mean, how about that? Yeah. Trade? He's yeah. a young guy, too. Like I couldn't believe what they got back for him. Taves was, t- wasn't too happy about it.
0: So. Yeah, he was critical of that. <laughs> yeah. um, let's stay out west and take a look at San Jose and Edmonton here. Over six in this game, minus 120.
2: Yeah, the Sharks are scoring the past three games. They scored 11 goals. Uh, Edmonton has scored 27 goals over their last five home games. I mean, they're always a threat to score at home. Uh, they got Ryan Nugent Hopkins back back tonight, which, you know, should help them depth-wise. Capo um, Kakinen's going in goal. If Reimer was in this game, maybe I would stay off of it. He's just one of those guys I don't like to like to bet against because he can, you know, he can pull out 40 saves any day. But with Kakinen going, I like. I think this game's going to go over uh, over six. So.
0: All right. So San Jose Edmonton over six on the total, and let's uh, let's go with a former uh, San Jose Shark, and Evander Keen, over three and a half shots on goal. You like tonight as a player prop.
2: Yeah, plus 130. I mean, he's hit this in 64% of his home games with Edmonton as opposed to only 21% on the road. I mean, that discrepancy right there, uh, you know, at plus one, at plus 130 against his old team. He played them in San Jose earlier this year, and he had four. So I think he can do that again tonight. So, yeah, definitely taking the value in that one.
0: All right, so you got Kane over three and a half shots on goal at plus one thirty. Good plus money there. Uh, let's look at Montreal and Florida. A lot of a lot of Flyer fans will be looking to this game because it's the debut of Giroux. Uh, but you like the over total in this game?
2: Yeah, over six and a half. Uh, we mentioned it last week. The Habs are still are scoring goals under St. Louis. Thirteen out of their last uh, fourteen now. I believe that they've scored three plus goals. Wow. They're Still giving up goals at three point two two. You know, Florida is a threat to score anywhere, anytime, anyhow um so yeah i think we're going to see some more goals in this game tonight
0: and one of the guys that could be in on it and i love this plus money play here at plus 270 Giroux with a power play point in his debut we know he's on that top line he's going to get power play time as well uh, so you like jeru here the plus 270.
2: yeah um, you, you know by now i'm not afraid to uh you know lay the, the plus money on some of these plays and take it take a shot um he's playing on that first power play unit listen to this first power play unit it's Giroux, it's uh um Tuberdeau, it's reinhardt it's markov and it's duclair that's what their projected first power play line is going to be tonight at glad's hurt you know out with the injuries are going with the five forwards looks like yeah now i use daily face to get this information so according to them that's their first power play line tonight which is insane that's like an all-star lineup right there uh, Habs have the eighth of the um eighth worst home penalty kill um, Florida had seven power play goals over their last 10 games. I mean, Drew's going to be playing the point on this power play. How can you not take a shot at this one?
0: So. Yeah. He's going to be the facilitator as the point uh-huh. man. So yep. that's got assist written all over it to me. Um, yep. And I mean, boy, oh boy just, that, those guys, thats skill on the ice. They'll be snapping it around, getting great scoring mm-hmm. chances. Oof, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> unreal. So, all right, we got five plays on Tone's takes. Here they are. Here's the recap for you. Number one, uh, you like uh, the first play is the LA Kings in a three-way, minus 115. You got San Jose and Edmonton over six, the total here at minus 120. We also have Vander Kane over three and a half shots on goal at plus money, a plus 130. Montreal and Florida over the six and a half total at minus 110. And then you got Giroux with a power play point here at plus 270. Great stuff, Tone. Enjoy the next couple of days. We'll talk next week.
2: Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Have a good one.
0: There he is. Tone's takes another edition in the books as uh good stuff there. Good five plays from tone for tones takes and a great place to put it. will be on the bet parks app. Cause you got to get it. You got to check out the brand new app. Bet parks uh, is uh, the new app uh, and so easy to use, easy to navigate. You get all your player performances there, whether it's power play points, like you got your there plus 70, whether it's totals on the, on the game at over six or over six and a half goals total in a game, plus or negative odds there. And uh, so much more first to score, and you can player performances. You've got same game parlays, live in game betting. You name it; it's all there. You can go old school as well, and just bet puck lines or money lines, whatever you want to do. Uh, check out the app. Check out the Bet Parks app. You're gonna love how easy it is to use. And even if you're, you know, a guy that hasn't really gotten into, you know, the, the using the app to get your action, um, now's a great time to do it because this is one that is not going to overwhelm you. It's the Bet Parks app. Make sure you download it in the app store, neither your iPhone or your Android, put it on your phone and it's everything you want in a mobile casino and sports book. And again, it's right in your pocket. So it's simple to use, easy to sign up, fun to use and faster to win than ever before. And right now all bet parks users, you get a $20. dollars you see the choice of either a $20 casino bonus or a $20 sports book bonus. So again, download the uh, bet parks app, uh, do it today. You do need to be over 21. You do need to be present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey uh, and if you have a gambling problem, call one eight hundred Gambler. But check out the app, use them on Tones Takes as well, and uh, you won't regret it. And uh, you'll have a lot of fun with it as well. It makes watching games that maybe you wouldn't be interested in a lot more fun. Not to mention you got college hoops going on in the tournament. You've got uh, both college or pro basketball and pro hockey. The remainder of the regular season into the playoffs and baseball around the corner as well. With regular season not that far off. So yeah, again, check it out. Beck Parks app simple to use, and you're going to love uh, all the great features there as well. So take advantage of it and take advantage of that $20 bonus on the sports book or on the casino. Uh, Everybody that's going to wrap up this edition of bet parks presents stick to hockey live. We'll have another brand new one for you coming up on Monday flyers in action tonight in St. Louis back in action tomorrow in Colorado ended action on Sunday in Nashville. So we'll have a lot to talk about over the next couple of days. And we'll talk about it all on a brand-new edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live coming up on Monday. Everybody, have a great weekend. Enjoy your hockey, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.